Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. We, uh, we had to do that last song today as the Lord is sending us out to a new place. It, it's kind of hard to, to leave this place, but uh, knowing that the Lord is, is moving us is, is enough for me. And I was just remembering uh, the after the the first solemn assembly that I was part of leading. If if we had acted in an ungodly way, we could have kept that building, and we could have stayed. But because we didn't. We, we had to leave. And we didn't know to where. That was back in 1996, 18 years ago. And I, I would not trade the journey that we have been on for the last 18 years for staying where we were for anything. So, as we step into a new stage, a new phase of uh, a new season of following God into whatever, I know that He's going before us. I know that He has purpose in this. I've told some people, I, I know that in two years when we look back on this, we're we're only going to see how smart God was in doing what, what he's done. So, uh, and just to, uh, to catch everybody up with, with sort of what we're doing and, and where we are, um, the Lord reminded me during my sabbatical that he had given me some things about what he wanted the church to look like back 18 years ago. And he reminded me of the fact that I hadn't really shared that. I tried to share it once and it was rejected by uh, that congregation and it wasn't the time and they weren't the people. But this is the time and we are the people for this. So I'm... I'm really pleased to be able to share this um, with us. And, <laughs> you know, God's, God's timing when, when we're following him is, is so amazing sometimes. Next week, when we're in the new building, what he really showed me out of Deuteronomy chapter 12, the first about third of the chapter was about our our inordinate uh, importance that we place on buildings 
places of worship. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not ironic. It's, God does have a sense of humor. But I, I need to finish chapter 11 this week because I'm pretty sure we can, we can finish this this week. But this is a huge part of what something that the Lord is wanting to ask us. And a question that I think he, he wants to ask us is, do we really want to see an amazing spiritual awakening take place in this city? And we, we say yes. But we, and, and I, I'm glad you say yes, because I, I say yes. We, we don't know all that is involved in that. But it's, it's good that we say yes, because it, it is what the Lord wants to do. He, he does want to bring a revival slash spiritual awakening to this city that, that will be significant enough that the very culture of, of the city shifts, changes. And, and that is what he wants, but um, there, there are some keys to that happening in Deuteronomy 11. And, and that's what I, I believe the Lord wants to speak to us about today. So let me pray. Uh, Father, I, I thank you uh, for this home that you've given us for the last four and a half years and uh, even longer than that for some of us who spent a lot of time here working. Uh, Lord, it's, it's been a blessing to us to, to be here. Uh, I'm glad it was a blessing to Gordon to, to have us here. I thank you that he came to know you and he's with you. I thank you that one of his sons came to know you here in, in this place. Lord, bless, bless him and his family. And uh, we just ask you to leave a blessing behind in this place. I, I thank you, Lord, our identity is not in a place, it's in a person. Jesus. So Jesus, let us find more and more of our identity in you. As you bring forth your nature in us. So have your reward in this city. Have your glory in this city. Amen. So, uh, let me read the next few verses here in Deuteronomy 11. I, I realize uh, for, for some of you who this might be your first time uh, in, into this series, uh, 
it may seem kind of ironic that the Lord would speak to someone about what the church is supposed to be like out of Deuteronomy 11 and 12. Well, it kind of seemed that way to me too when it was happening, but it doesn't seem so ironic when you consider that uh, one of the names for the children of Israel as they moved uh, across the wilderness was the, the church in the wilderness. So the instruction that the Lord was giving them, it, it applies to us. As more and more, for us right now, we, we are the church in the wilderness. As our, our culture moves away from God and we try to move toward God more and more, uh, we're, we're finding ourselves in a wilderness. So let me read these few verses, 22 through 25. If you carefully observe all these commands... I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, which is to cleave to him. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will, you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours, from the desert to Lebanon, and from the Euphrates River to the Western Sea. No man will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, as he promised you, will put the terror and fear of you on the whole land, wherever you go. And I'm going to go ahead and read the rest, and then we'll come back to this. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods, which you have not known. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Ebal the curses. As you know, these mountains are across the Jordan, west of the road toward the setting sun, near the great trees of Morah, in the territory of those Canaanites living in the Arabah, in the vicinity of Gilgal. You are about to cross the Jordan to enter and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you have taken it over and are living there, be sure that you obey all the decrees and laws I am setting before you today. So, we, um, <clears throat> we understand that the nation Israel, coming out of Egypt, uh, becoming the, the people of God, were a representation, they, they were a type in the natural of what God would do with the church in the spiritual. So, for, the, for God to give this promise of land to 
a man, Abraham, and promise him that his descendants, after spending 400 years in Egypt, part of that in slavery, would come out and they would possess this land that was inhabited by other people. And they would have to go into the land and they would have to fight to take possession of the land. Uh, all that is natural, physical uh, actions taking place. They, they fought physical wars and battles to take possession of the land that was promised to them. Uh, what is our counterpart of that? What is our part in, in the spiritual fulfillment of that? Well, let me share a few verses with you. So I want you to understand where I'm coming from. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle or struggle against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against human beings. It is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. So, if, if there is a, a battle, if there is a, a fulfillment in, in the spiritual of what the people of Israel were doing in the natural, it is against spiritual forces, is, is what Paul is saying. We, we are not to fight against physically in, in our nation those, those who are uh, pushing us in, in the opposite direction of God and his ways. That's, that's not what we're called to do. Instead, we're, we're actually called to love them, bless them, be kind to them, because we, we have a bigger enemy. And it's, it's ironic that the enemies in much of the land that was promised to Abraham, there were giants in the land. And, and that's, that's why Israel had to spend an extra 40 years wandering around the wilderness waiting for a whole generation to die because they went into the land and they saw how big the enemies were. Remember the 12 spies who went in? And they came back, and only two of them said, the land is great, the grapes are huge, let's go. But the other 10, you remember what they said? 
We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. So it, it was it was a situation where the Lord was promising them in, in the passage that I just read and others that if they would just obey him, that he would give them the land. What the Lord was saying to me through this same passage is if, if a people will rise up who will love me and obey me and, and cleave to me, which as we've looked at this in some detail previously, which means that we, we get in his personal space regularly, that's cleaving. That's the, the literal meaning of that, that Hebrew word. That if we will do that, if, if a people will rise up who will actually do that, that, that there will be spiritual awakening. There, there will be revival. If, if a people will rise up who, who, who love God, who, who obey Him, spend time in, in His presence, those are the three conditions here in Deuteronomy 11, 23 to 25. And I, I would... I would add another that, that isn't necessarily in addition to, but may, more the uh, result of this, that if we love God and are obeying him and we're spending time in his presence, then we will want him to get what he wants in, in our lifetime and where we are. We, we will want him to get what he wants. And... The Spirit spoke that to me just a few years ago, that that is when the world is changed. When, when a people, when God raises up a people who, who want to see Him, God, get what He wants more than we want to see ourselves get what we want, then the world can be changed. So, the, the promises here. If you carefully observe the commands, if we obey Him, and we love Him, and we hold fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours from the desert to Lebanon, and from the Euphrates River to the Western Sea, no man will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, as he promised you, will put the terror and fear of you on the whole land. Well, we're not so interested in the land that's being described physically in this passage. The Euphrates River and Lebanon and... Uh, that, that piece of property in the Middle East. We're, we're concerned with Cheyenne. 
Because that's what we're going to be held responsible for. We're, we're not going to be held responsible for the Middle East. Maybe responsible for having prayed for the peace of Jerusalem because we're told to do that. But <clears throat> we, we are responsible for Cheyenne. And, and I, I believe that the Lord was saying to me, and I believe he's saying to us today, that, that if, if we will truly be his people, we, we will love him, we will spend time with him, and we will obey what he tells us to do on a daily basis, that there will be a spiritual awakening in Cheyenne. And it will result from what God is doing in us. I, I believe that. You see, there, there was an, you, you could call it a grace, you could call it an authority. Uh, there, there is something that obedience to God releases on the earth. And what he was promising this nation of Israel was if, if they would be his, if they would love him, if they would want to be with him and they would hold on to him, cleave to him, that he would basically go before them. He'd, he'd put the fear of them into all their enemies they, they would still have to fight, but they would possess the land. The same thing is true for us in Cheyenne, Wyoming in the 21st century. As, as we obey God, draw near to Him, we, we get in his presence so that his light shines upon us so that when we go out of his presence, his light is still reflecting off of us. And, and we do what he says day by day. There, there is going to be an authority, a grace released in this city, from such a people. Such that there will be revival and spiritual awakening take place. Because the, the enemies that this passage applies to, as I said, they're not human beings. They are those rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And as our obedience and love for God and drawing near to God actually in, in the spiritual, in, in the heavenlies, 
It displaces the forces of darkness. It, it gives us authority to tell them to leave. And, and, and this, this is, let's, let's go on to a couple other New Testament passages because I, I really want us all to see this. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out the 72 <clears throat> after he had sent out the 12 and they, he had given them authority to cast out demons and heal disease and, and they went out and they came back and starting in verse 17 of Luke 10, this is what they said. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I, I saw Satan fall, fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let me read that, that one verse to you again. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. He wasn't just saying that to the 72. He was saying that to the 90 who are right here. Jesus has given you and me the same authority. Now, why does it sometimes work and sometimes not work? Okay? Be, be real here. It always worked for Jesus. Anything he attempted to do in the realm of spiritual warfare, he was successful in. Because he, he could say the one thing that none of us can say. The prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. He, he has zero ground in me. So I, I can fully and completely plunder any part of his kingdom that I want to. Or that, let me rephrase, that the Father wants me to. Because he did everything in submission to the Father. We, we have difficulty in the area of spiritual warfare when we try to do something and the enemy has something in us. Those of us who've been involved in spiritual warfare for some time, we know that in an area where we have personal victory, where we have personally overcome the enemy and his forces, we, we have great authority in that area. 
to minister to other people. In an area where we don't have such great victory, we will be unsuccessful because the enemy has something in us. And he can say, you know, you, you can't tell this one to do anything because you're actually in agreement with him. So, just, just go away. So, that takes us to, <clears throat> back to Deuteronomy 11. If, if we're careful to obey everything, and, and see, Moses in writing this was, was talking about the written law. If you obey all of the written law, and, and see, that, that was written so that if they obeyed the written law, that the enemy would not have ground in them. But wherever they disobeyed, the enemy had ground. And then it goes into the blessing and cursing part of at the end of this passage. So, for us, we're, we're not to live according, we're not to live trusting in the law to save us. We, we are to live trusting in Jesus alone to save us. But we are to live in submission and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And, and that, as we do that, more and more fully, more and more successfully, we will find that the enemy has less and less in us. And, and that we have greater and greater authority against the forces of darkness. You see what I'm saying? A couple more things. First uh, John chapter three, verse eight. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And here's the, the key part. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Well, we understand destruction of the works of the devil by looking at the life of Jesus when he healed people. I mean, there, there were villages that he went into where they brought every sick person in the whole village and everybody was healed. That's destroying the works of the devil. Sickness. There were lots of occasions where people who were 
possessed by demons encountered Jesus. And he always cast out the demons whenever they began to manifest. That's destroying the works of the devil. His his life of total obedience was was releasing this this grace and this spiritual authority that I'm talking about in, in the whole region. And and there was great revival when this was happening. I mean, he, he set the stage for the whole revival that was to come later in Acts chapter 2. So <clears throat> let me read one more New Testament passage. I think I just have one more. Matthew 16, and this, this is a key one because this puts it in the context of, of the church, okay? Matthew 16, starting in verse 16. This is when Jesus had asked the disciples, who, who do men say that I am? And they, they gave a number of answers that people were talking about, and then he asked them, who do you say that I am? And this is... Peter's response. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, the rock rock of this revelation, not on the man, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And a better translation of the last part of that is you can bind on earth whatever has already been bound in heaven, and you can loose on earth what has already been loosed in heaven. Now, when when you understand that passage in in the context of what I'm saying about Deuteronomy 11, this this is what should be the case where where the church is is really being the church. That what God said would happen in Deuteronomy 11, and let me just remind you of what that says. The Lord will drive out all these nations, and again, we're talking about spiritual forces. The Lord will drive out these spiritual forces before you and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Well, what we're dispossessing is, is people. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. We're, we're to be victorious everywhere we set our feet. From the desert to Lebanon, from 
Crow Creek to Fox Farm Road. No demon will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, as he promised, will put the terror and fear of you in all the spiritual forces. Because the the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against the church that is being the church. That's what Jesus said. Gates prevail when they keep people out or people in. If, if they don't prevail, they open. So God would have the gates of hell, wherever they are keeping people in and in bondage, or keeping people out of the kingdom, he would have those gates open. And he would have people set free, and he would have people come into the kingdom. So if, if we will be his people, if, if we will love him, if we will spend time in, in his presence, he will then give us direction of offensive strategies, probably daily, <laughs> not ahead of time, but when needed, so that we can move his kingdom forward. This, this is the truth. So we, we must all be, be prepared to, to bring other people into the kingdom. So, so we must understand what true salvation is. We, we must understand the true gospel. And the, the true gospel is, is, is simple. It is offensive to the proud. It is really good news to the humble. Because the the true apostolic gospel is that Jesus said it it is finished. The price is paid. The gate to enter is open, but none of you, none of you, including me, bring anything to the table. It, it is all Jesus. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil in, in the garden, there, there was a really good reason that God did not want Adam and Eve to eat from that tree. Because there's, there's too many people 
in churches today that are trusting more or as much, probably more, in their own goodness and good works for salvation than they are trusting in Jesus. The, the reality is that we, we have to come to the Lord laying down all of our badness, which is easy. We, we all want to do that. And all of our goodness. Because our goodness is not good enough. We, we got to lay it all down. And, and we take what Jesus did and what he gave and we put that on. That, that's the only way into the kingdom. And, and I, they're, they're probably, and I, I believe the Lord spoke to me about this, I, I think there are some people here today who, who need to be saved. Who, who, who need to lay down not just the badness that maybe they laid down a long time ago, but need to also lay down whatever goodness they think they have and, and receive Jesus. Because, uh, I mean, th- this is kind of what this is like if, if you understand something about, uh, well, <laughs> it's it's kind of math theory anyway. Jordan, you'll probably get this. So between us, between a human being and God, there is an infinite, infinite chasm, okay, between every human being and God. And, and, and some of us live, have lived good lives. And, you know, maybe some have lived very good lives. And, and your goodness might reach out like a hundred miles. That's, that's a lot of goodness. Other people's goodness might only reach like a mile. But if it's an infinite distance to God on the other side, is a hundred miles really any closer than a half a mile? The answer is no. So, you know, we we can bring really good news to bad people and for people who think they're good it's also really good news but they have to humble themselves and, and that's the only way in I, I wish there was a better way but but there our, our goodness and our obeying the law is, is just, it's never going to get us there. 
So I want us all to be able to communicate that gospel to anyone you might meet. Because the, the Lord has that in store for us. To, to be willing to invite people into the kingdom. Because we're, we're entering a season of harvest. And I, I believe that we're, we're going to see lots of people come into the kingdom in, in this next season. And, and we're going to reap where we've sown. Sylvia, how long ago was that you guys were praying in that area? In the first vineyard church plant attempt? Yeah, more than 20 years ago. There was sowing going on right in the area where we're, where we're going to be moving. So I'm, I'm excited about this. So that true gospel, does, does everybody get that? Because the, the way that the justice of God works is, is that the, the wages or the payment of sin is, is death. And, and we, we all have, have sinned. Even if only 1% of our, our average daily life is, is sin, it's still too much. Because the, the only way to make it there, according to the law, is to live it perfectly. And so we have to understand that God really set this up for Jesus not for us, not for human beings. Because he, he knew that none of us were going to make it. But he knew that Jesus would. And all it would take was him. And then the rest of us, we could just receive the gift that he offers us as, as the one who lived the perfect life, who paid the penalty for all sin, we, we just have to humble ourselves and ask him, so will you, or will, will you give me the share of your forgiveness that I need for my sin? And, and give me new life, make me a new creation, so that I now can come to the Lord boldly to the throne of grace by myself, through your blood. And I now can be an offensive weapon for the kingdom of heaven. Because that is God's intent for every one of us. Because where your feet go, my feet don't go. And where, where your feet go, nobody else in, in the body does their feet go everywhere that you go. So there are places where your feet go that 
You may be the only light and the only one who can speak salvation and be a light to some of those people. So if we want to see spiritual awakening in this city, it partially does depend on you and me. Because there, there is a part in this for every one of us. There, there's an obedience part. There, there are small acts of obedience that God would have each of us do every week, even every day, that sometimes will result in people being healed, that sometimes will result in people getting set free, from demonic oppression that sometimes will result in their coming into the kingdom when we speak the good news to them. And sometimes our, our little act of obedience, we, we won't see the fruit of it right away, but know that it is releasing this grace and authority into the church of the city that is desperately needed. Because it's, it's not going to happen in fullness without that. The, the spiritual awakening that God wants, the revival that God wants, it, it's, it's not going to happen without our, our small little acts of of obedience to him that we don't even understand what they mean. And and I I, I will tell you this that that our moving out of this building into that building is releasing a grace and authority. Because this this is us as a body humbling ourselves and obeying God in, in something that does not yet totally make sense to us. Because I, I really thought we would be here forever. But God's moving us and he's provided the place. He's, he's given loads of prophetic direction that all of it points right there. So we just got to let go and go. And that's what we're going to do. And, and a lot of you, some of you, remember what our, our first Resurrection Sunday service was like here. It was the most presence of God I had ever experienced up, up to that time. And I'm asking God for more <laughs> over there. See, there's a lot here in Deuteronomy 11 and 12. <laughs> Jesus' bride is, is a victorious church. 
one who understands and walks in her authority, her calling, and one who wants to see the bridegroom get what he wants. So I want to pray for us. Father, I I thank you for your wisdom, for your ways. I thank you that they're higher than ours. And Lord, you, you know our hearts. Lord, we have cried out to you for mercy. We've humbled ourselves. and We choose to humble ourselves again. So I ask for a release of grace. That you would give us hearts that desire you to get what you want. in our own lives, in our city, and beyond. Lord, give us hearts to seek after you, to be with you. Give us a sensitivity to your spirit when you're prompting us to go somewhere, to speak something, to do something. Just teach us to follow you in obedience quickly. For the sake of what you want to do in Cheyenne. So Lord, bless your people. Bless and protect us during the move this week. And I ask you to meet us next Sunday in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen.